Good evening, everyone, and everyone listening. This is Connie Lingus here with the ending of Fallout 4, in which your son is the villain and you have to kill your son or nuke Boston. Also known as Peter? Here, Some people call me that. Here for another edition of Categories Drag Castravaganza. On this week's episode... We don't talk about Drag Race. At least not for the most part. It's not Drag Race-centric. No, talk about drag queens, and some drag queens are in Drag Race, it seems. Drag Race will come up. So we're talking about uh, this uh, latest controversial um, drag queen ranking list by Vulture that has... uh, Caught the media a bit by storm. I wouldn't say by storm, by, but by it got the drag community in a bit of a tizzy. Is that a phrase? I think it's a phrase. Yeah, sure. And after that, we're doing drag event spotlight, talking about the very talented Jinx Monsoon's semi solo show. It's a duo show, her and Major Scales. With the Ginger Snapped, which was playing at Joe's Pub. We'll get into that a little bit later. But first, let's talk the list. So for those of you that are unaware, Vulture, a uh, media outlet that likes to cater to the youths, I guess, put out a ranking list of 100 drag queens they basically put the top 20 in order, and then the rest was just... They were in semi-order? Yeah, it was like tier lists. Uh, and it's got some people riled up. And to be honest, I'm not particularly fond of it either for the following reasons. Reason number one. So, in the beginning of the article, they disclose who the writers and judges were. And to my surprise and annoyance, it was pretty much only white people. There was one Latinx individual, a few Asian men... Asian men. Did you actually search all of these people up? Yes, I did. I, I, before I started talking crap, I, I wanted to make sure there was not a single black person in the judging list, which, at least not in what they listed, but which just surprised me and kind of grossed me out in that how are you going to compile a list of drag, of drag queens, and put, like, reasonable thought into it without trying to cover all your bases in terms of, like, representation. Hey, guys, a lot of the drag race winners are white. We know that. But a good amount of the competitors are people of color. So... Can we get more people of color, specifically more Hispanic people, more 
black people. Well, there were like no black people. There were literally so. no black people like to judge this, and it just felt it's so out of touch to just have such a non-representative group of such a representative art form. And not only that, like all the judges were very young. It's like the 20s, the 30s type for the most part. It seems like a very easy way to bias the importance of drag queens to stuff that is more recent and drag race centric, which let us remind you, the drag scene is not drag race. There is more to the drag. We're going to have to emphasize that in a bit, but let's also keep something in mind. Having diversity of perspective is a good thing for efficiency. A team that is more diverse comes from different backgrounds, and as a result, they have more experiences or more unique experiences that will help them accomplish more. That was found out in various studies. So it's not just about representation. If you're trying to find a good list and you're trying to rank the most powerful drag queens in America, then it's probably best to have a diverse list. And I'm not even just talking about minority representation. I'm talking about, I don't know the sexualities of the individuals in the judging panel. But, like, you can have some variety there, too. Um, my point is that diversity is necessary, especially when you're ranking such a diverse group. Then you're going to get a better opinion, or at least, I don't know if this was explicitly opinion, but you're going to get a better list if you bring diversity of perspective into what you're judging. And they they missed out on that. They dropped the ball. Definitely. And then not only did they drop the ball, I think, on representation, they also just dropped the ball in terms of the writing of the list. The writing of the list of like the reasonings and the bios behind the, dra- the drag queens and why they're where they are was cringy, mean-spirited, and in my opinion, lazy. Like, I think lazy is probably the best word like, for most of these. Yes. So for the top 20, we had our written out descriptions, like ones that transcend a sentence. But let me read a selection or two from it. This is uh, the blurb for describing Alyssa Edwards. This walking meme factory was never particularly good at drag race. But she is beloved for her signature tongue tongue pops, huge wigs, energetic dance moves, and system of vocabulary that doesn't always make sense. Now hold on for a second. Never particularly good, good at, at drag dra- race? <laughs> I mean, okay, if she was in two seasons. Now, if she had gotten poor rankings in both seasons, then I would understand that. But she was in sixth place in season five. And then in fifth place in All-Stars Season 2, those aren't bad. They're pretty good, honestly, especially in All-Stars 2, which had such an intense cast and such a strong lineup. I feel like saying that she wasn't particularly good at Drag Race, that's just kind of lazy. It's like they didn't do any research or they just assumed, 
oh, there are only seven people or six people per season in Drag Race for some reason because they haven't watched the show before. Yeah, and not only that, I feel like it's so condescending and diminishing of her abilities to lead with her being a meme factory. Like, that's what we recognize Alyssa for, her memes. Not the fact that she's, like, a crazy good dancer that's crazy successful Well, I mean, she's done. We recognized Vanjie for a year because of memes. Sure. But when I think Alyssa, I don't think that. And that's certainly not how I would describe, like, I would not open my description of someone, especially if I'm trying to put them in the top 20, as they were not good in the show and they were a meme. I agree. Because, like, if I wanted to talk about Vanjie being not particularly good at the show but known for her meme status then that would have been like reasonable to say six months ago but it's just not true for Alyssa Edwards yeah and then in terms of lazy and mean-spirited like reading the Katya blurb don't worry everyone Katya is doing fine and currently on tour with her not at all ironically titled one woman show help me I'm dying makes no mention of the psychotic break she experienced in 2018 while filming the end of the first season of her Viceland show, The Trixie and Katya Show. Now hold on for a second because I don't follow Katya that much. I thought she relapsed. I didn't think it was a psychotic breakdown, which you can have psychotic breakdowns in some instances. I I just don't know. I think it was a relapse that also coincided with a psychotic breakdown from my understanding of the events. But nonetheless, again, you're putting her in the top 20. Why are you labeling, like, basing her success based on, like, revolving it around a, like, relapse and psychotic break? Like, hey, we're recognizing the top 20 queens. She is in our top 20. The people that we actually gave numbered rankings to, she relapsed hey, I guess she's pretty good, I guess. Like, it's so mean-spirited. And then another one that, the final example I'll give, in terms of mean-spirited and lazy, was the one that they give for Gia, where the only information they had to give on Gia, one sentence, the sentence was, Gia was the first queen to be eliminated twice in Snatch Game. It made, like, no, no mention of her, like, her advocacy for the trans community, her coming out, her talent, like nothing about her talent. You associate Gia with her being eliminated at Snatch Game. Granted, her Snatch Games weren't good. That's what I personally associate her with for the most part. But I'm not saying that should be her description on this list. Yeah. But that's a big part of what I remember her for. Sure. But like I said, if this is like a list to like put people up and recognize their talent, their power, most powerful drag queens. There's nothing better to show their power than saying, ah, she got eliminated twice, which uh, is so insulting. And then I just, overall, the ranking just felt so arbitrary and pessimistic. It was like, here's a top 20 these are the people that matter, and then everyone else matters significantly less. And That's what it felt like to me, too. To significantly less degrees as you go further. It's like, first of all, how... 
how how do you gauge success? Like, I think what this list fails to do is, I feel like it fails to like take into mind the impact that they have within a local scene, the impact they have within a specific niche, the impact they have doing X, Y, or Z. It just fe felt very much like. Well, they have done X, Y, and Z popular thing, thus they are the most powerful. But I don't feel like there is always a direct correlation between power and mainstream recognition. Like, there are people that are very strong within their local scenes that you could, like, different people within those scenes would point to and say, like, our, our scene would be nothing without this person. And sure, maybe they don't have the type of like Courtney actic success where they're on Dancing with the Stars, but they're still having a huge impact and defining things for everyone around them. So just to go based off of mainstream success just feels so arbitrary and pessimistic. That's something I largely agree with. Or do you have any more complaints with it or can I get into mine? Uh, You could get into that. All right. So I have a few complaints that are tangential to what Connie brought up. First, the list is just wrong. And I'm not saying that there's a right way to do this list, but I'm saying that there are more wrong ways to do this list than others. One of this examples of wrongness is, well, I mean, this is more of a personal thing, but I don't think Aquaria belongs at number 11, beating out Sasha Velour. I don't think that Katya is anywhere near 13. I think that Katya, not with the name recognition that she has, not being in the top seven is kind of ridiculous. I think that Bendel Krem not being in the top 20 is absurd. But things like that aside, and simple mistakes like calling Aquaria part of Gen Z. Gen Z's not 1996 anymore. It's 1999. But regardless, that's kind of one issue. This list feels so thoughtless and... It feels like it has no effort to be grounded in fact. And that kind of feels like a slap in the face to these two people who watch the show and love the queens. It's like, it's not just a matter of not agreeing. It's a matter of looking at this and saying, okay, well, that just doesn't seem right whatsoever. Uh, but beyond that, I think that the biggest issue is that you can't really rank the drag queens. When I say that there's no right way to do it, it's because you can't really rank queens accurately. Because what are you judging it on? I mean, if you're going to judge it by how much money they've made or how much money they're worth, there's an objective way to do that. You find out what their net worth is. Might not be easy to do, but there's a way to do that. If it's by Instagram followers, there's a way to do that too. But this is just kind of a fan favorite from Drag Race list. And that just doesn't feel right, especially because you have no queens who weren't from the original or not from Drag Race, but you have no queens from outside of Drag Race in this list whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't promote Drag Race because promoting Drag Race helps bring more of the mainstream into drag and it helps promote drag culture. And that is a good thing. Yeah. But doesn't feel right to just ignore the queens who either aren't interested in going into drag race for their own reasons or maybe the queens who were like nina west submitting an audition video every single year and never getting in and then there's a whole ton of talent lying behind that 
you have issues like that. And I just don't think that this sort of list makes sense in that regard. Yeah, like we have our suddenly fosters or our lip syncas that are pretty big here in New York, but, you know, not going to bring it up because they weren't in Drag Race. They aren't in Drag Race yet. It's, it's or like, I guess like they made one exception and having Lady Bunny in the list. But, but Lady Bunny is, is basically... Is, like, very directly associated with Drag Race. But, yeah, I think it just... It, it disregards local queens a lot. And then my, my last thing to say about it is... Why are you releasing this on Pride Month, man? It's a time where we're supposed to be celebrating the unity of our community, the unity of the queens, the impact that our queens have had, just positive feelings, while also, you know, keeping in mind all that has happened in the past. But just general, it's supposed to be a time of community building, community fostering, community perpetuating. And to release a list that's just so divisive and just so putting queens against each other just feels just really off base and kind of against what drag is all about drag is all about inclusiveness and inclusive like inclusivity and community and you don't foster community by creating an ranked arbitrary list that's super exclu- exclusive. I mean, I think that there are ways to foster community with this, such as bringing people together and enjoying RuPaul's Drag Race. But I don't know. This just didn't feel like a good way to talk about the show. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that the drag queens are suffering from this. The drag queens are far, far more wealthy than I am. I'm not saying that they're worth millions, but... I'm saying that I'm not worth millions. So they certainly aren't poorly off, you know? Yeah. They're doing well for themselves, and good for them. That's a really good thing. And I also haven't really seen wars in the community with fans of one queen against fans of another. When it does happen, it's not like a massive, massive dividing thing that tears the community in half, you know? So... I mean, I don't know. This just didn't feel like the right way to celebrate drag. There are ways to celebrate drag, um, but this didn't feel like the right way. I There are parts of it that I like that I wish we could have gotten more of. Did you know that Latrice Royale manages a whole ton of other queens, like high-profile queens, including herself? Yeah. That, That's pretty cool. That, I didn't know that. N- neither you know? did I. That's a cool factoid, like the type of thing that instills excitement for the queens, not like hey, this person never experienced a sewing challenge. Thank you. That's how I want to remember James Manfield. That's how or, you should record. Hey, you who is the worst one, guys. Look at her. Yeah. Like, ugh. I mean, there are good ways to use this. I'm maybe putting a list of cool facts about the queens to make you impressed won't get you as many clicks as the top 100 drag queens ranked in a really lazy way. But I think it's better if 
it is more of a, hey, look at what these queens have done. Because that feels inspiring and uplifting, you know? And a lot of these queens, they get shade because of drama that they don't necessarily always deserve because, you know, they do good things. And they're pretty cool people. So I think that promoting the good parts of queens is a lot more constructive, especially during Pride Month, than just ranking them. Yeah. To close off this uh, conversation, we'll play a clip of a few of the drag queens went on The View, and this uh, list got brought up, so we'll play what they had to say. I think my, my, my contention with it is the kind of the write-up of each queen and how they rank them. It was very, um, it was just kind of dismissive. Like, this one, your one accomplishment was that you won a couple challenges on Drag Race. Well said, and uh, we'll leave it on that note. And from there, we will get into our drag event spotlight. We're talking about Jinx Monsoon and Major Scales in The Ginger Snapped. The show played this last weekend for three days at Joe's Pub, which is located in the public theater. But it was part drag show, part live album performance, and part therapy session. The show, the premise is Jinx Monsoon has snapped, hence the ginger snapped, and her piano player, Major Scales, is there to get her through some issues through talking, through song, and through dance. Most of the songs were coming off of her similarly titled album, The Ginger Snapped. What an individual Major Scales. Not as good as General Scales. Um, <laughs> only 2004 kids will get that reference. Um, so on the topic of Major Scales, he played the piano throughout uh, the entire show. He was also a co-singer and backup singer and basically the other actor in the show helping Jinx get through her issues. He was pretty talented in all, all those aspects. It was both from Major Scales and from Jinx Monsoon. There was some heavy-duty cheese. If you don't like Broadway-esque cheese, the show is perhaps not for you. But as a big Broadway fan, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, who doesn't like Broadway cheese? Uh, The type of people that visit New York and then are like, I don't want to get dragged to see a show. No offense to you, people who visit New York. We all hate you, but that's because you're a tourist. We hate all tourists, okay? Yes. We hate ourselves too, so don't worry. So this entire thing was sung. There was not a lickety bit of lip syncing. It was all jinx singing. And I have to say, of all the people that I've talked about that I've seen that have done singing, I think I was the most impressed with Jinx Monsoon uh, talent-wise. She recently got announced uh, to be in a touring production of a Broadway show with her and Ginger Minj. And I could see why, because she she got pipes. She, she is very, like... It's a very theatery type of singing. So, like, the 
big, loud, soaring, over-the-top drama that you expect from a, a Broadway ballad. Uh, it, it was pretty impressive, and it, it, it felt very much like I was watching just like a, a Broadway show or like one of Dave Malloy's l- lower-key shows that's just like a few actors and barely any instruments. It was really cool. Um, what was interesting to me about the show is just the side of the personality you got out of Jinx. Uh, Jinx is and has been a frequent, a frequent contributor to the Haters Roast tours, where all the queens just talk mad smack about each other and about Drag Race. Uh, and you could tell. Uh, you get a uh. Mischievous, mischievous side of Jinx that you didn't really get, I think, on her season. She has a uh, quite a bit of a uh, quite a bit of tude, lots of reading. There was a uh, one standout moment for me. I think was there was a number specifically about Bianca Del Rio and how queen number one on the vulture list. By yes. The way. And pretty much how impossible it is to not be topped by Bianco Del Rio in every facet and that, like, Bianca Del Rio has been everywhere. I mean, it's okay to make fun of, like, something bad because nobody wants that bad thing. So long as you're not making fun of people with that bad thing in the process, I say that you're good. That's just my philosophy. Got it. Um... Yeah. Uh, that was a strong affirmation. Just got it. <laughs> uh, so, so the last thing I'll add is that uh, production values were pretty pretty solid. She had some pretty fire animated sequences throughout playing in the background that were quirky and cute. She uh, has a number about uh, like Saturday morning cartoons and drinking and it it was. I'd like, like to hear that one. Yeah, I, I believe the music video is on iTunes as well. Oh boy, and then on, I definitely and have to on check YouTube. That out. And basically, the the shtick of the video was like going through the animation style of a bunch of different cartoons. So we got like uh, Sailor Moon going into like Dexter's Lab. Sailor Moon in the category of cartoons. It's a, it's a Japanese cartoon. <laughs> okay, it is a Japanese cartoon. <laughs> but yeah, in Japan, do they just call them American anime? <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, production values were good. It, it it felt very well put together, and it felt like it had an arc, and it felt like it was written. Which after the show I saw last week was very nice to see a show, not a TED talk, not an improv section session not to say that there wasn't like impromptu elements jinx was not afraid to laugh not a cry fest yeah jinx was able to laugh at her own jokes which which was pretty adorable but it it was put together which i like connie loves his structure have structure for your shows also there were special guests oh yeah uh detox and milk were in the audience uh that's all I have to say. They, they it were wasn't, just there. It, yeah, they were there. 
uh when there was a joke some, there was a joke about detox at one point and detox laughed very loudly which was cute uh thankfully it was not like the last show i saw where <laughs> the, the uh, jinx was just calling out to them the entire time we're just having conversations from on stage no professionalism you love it so if you like jinx you like uh a well put together comedic well sung quirky campy broadway-esque extravaganza check out jinx monsoon and major scales the ginger snapped and with that is our episode thank you so much this is connie lingus here with general scales also known as the disappointment peter uh, super special thank you to Miss Darling for the song Young Lovers that we're using where, Peter. The outro and intro of this podcast. And uh, tune in next week. We've got some special stuff going on next week. Stuff to look forward to. Trust us. It's going to be big. It's going to be grand. It's, it's going to be worth listening to. It's going to be minty fresh. That's too much <laughs> it's okay uh it's gonna be hot okay it's gonna be hot but it's gonna be cool thank you so much for listening it's gonna be great and have a you're gonna love it have a lovely evening see ya <laughs>